Daru's wife. His wife and my father never met. But they shared a dream. One of a free world. Not built on corpses, but on hope. On the love that binds us. Not the hate that divides. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Hail Reaper. My name is Philip, and this is my good friend, Jeremy. How's it going? It's going pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I did something I've uh, never done before today. Really? You brushed your teeth? I brushed my teeth for the very first time. Congratulations. No, I went to a baby shower that was co-ed, and I had a great time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, see, and I forecasted you wouldn't. Yeah, I know, but it was good. But it was fun. That's good. At least the hosts were uh, were clever enough to put on a, a nice co-ed shower. I, 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 yeah, it was really fun. And I drank the best strawberry lemonade I've ever had in my life. Really? Yeah, it, it was actually amazing. It was so delicious. Little bits of strawberry in there and everything? Yeah, oh, 100%. Oh, it has to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, so you ever been to Sonic and they have the, you know, they have the real fruit in there? I haven't had their stuff with real fruit. Okay, so that was garbage compared to this strawberry lemonade. It was incredible. Like, what if I did like half strawberry Fanta and then just like diluted <laughs> it with half water? Would that would that serve? Where's the lemonade coming from? When you didn't talk I, about lemonade, it's, it's made up. So you just like so it's what did you say? It was strawberry Fanta and water. Yes. <laughs> no, this sounds like a terrible idea. Okay. And there's no lemonade in it, so I don't think it would qualify as strawberry lemonade. All right. Okay, so we're doing well, uh, obviously. Obviously but so. But it's time for the serious part. The talk of the nation. America's favorite segment. Nerd talk. Up top. Access granted. Jeremy, what was nerdy about this week for you? Nothing at all was nerdy about this <laughs> Dang week. Dang it. I had a tough week at work and I was... So nervous about the segment because... You were genuinely nervous? More nervous than talking about the actual episode. Wow. okay. Uh, I was like, should I go on eBay real quick and like sell an action figure or just something, <laughs> you know? But now I couldn't come up with anything, so... Okay. I don't want to skip the segment. No, so I got, got some. You're a nerd, too. Yeah, so. I'm a nerd, too. Um, I've been listening to a podcast. I've been binging a podcast, like outright binging it, like going crazy into on it. On what? Okay. It's called 60 Songs That Explain the 90s. It's all about like, so each episode, it's episodic um, and each episode is like a different song from the 90s and it's hilarious. It's the, it's one of the funniest podcasts I've ever listened to because it takes you back in time for one, but it's kind of like explaining the song, explaining the album, the songs around it, the origin of the, the band, like the ethos of the band too. So it's really well done. It's a really well done podcast, but it's just, it's done in a very humorous way too, kind of making fun of itself and I really like 90s music for the most part. I and, do too. Yeah. And Sadly. It, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, Guilty pleasures, right? The funniest one was Nookie. Blimp Biscuit's Nookie. Oh, wow. Oh, dude. It was... Iconic 90s music oh, there. Oh, my gosh, dude. It's... <laughs> I just forgot how bad that was. Just like yeah. how incredibly bad it was and just like... But how funny it is now that it's like that was a part of like our growing up. I know. And it was like always on somewhere. 
Have they done like fastballs of the way? Have, are you on that no, episode yet? No, it's they've done sixty episodes. They actually said they're going to do ninety now. Oh my god! So like they're going to so ninety go for the nineties. Ninety for the nineties. Wow. So they, it started as sixty, and they're like, it, I guess it went well enough to get more episodes. Yeah. Um, but fastball the way is actually that'd be a funny one to listen to mm-hmm. as well. Maybe the most formulaic pop song that's ever been created ever. <laughs> like it literally was. It's like an AI song before AI existed. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so great podcast. If you like '90s music, that's that's where to go. And I, I think that just the, after discovering it, like this is why it's nerdy. After discovering or why I'm nerding out on it, I discovered it. I've listened to maybe two to three episodes a day. Oh wow! Yeah, they're they're like 45 minutes. That's a good length. But though. It's so good. It's so fun to nerd out on stuff like that and go back in time to those moments where you heard like whatever song, you know, whatever. Like I'm just trying to think. I listened to the one. Uh, I can't remember the name of the song now. I feel bad, but I listened to one, uh, Selena. It was like her big single. Like okay. after she passed away, that big single came out and it was it was really fascinating. It's like, it's funny, but it's also really informative. It's really fun to like kind of know the the backstory of how these songs came about and why and, and who was involved in them and everything, but done with like a lot of humor. I'll so, have to check it out. Dude, it's it's really good. You should definitely yeah. jump on it. I'm a huge fan of Nookie. So, I mean, I'll probably <laughs> like, skip like, to that episode yeah, first. It's like, I'm going right to Nookie and then <laughs> that's it. And then you'll probably just listen to that one on repeat. I'm going to wear my hat backwards when I listen to it and everything. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and talk about why we're here because that's not why we're here. Um, let's recap the last, you know, what we've been doing so far. We've spent the last, I think, four episodes so far talking about yep. the dream of EO. And we're going to, we go to the last sentence, single last sentence in the epilogue of Morningstar. And Pierce Brown lists these qualities in this really wonderful order, talking, you know, about, you know, the, the rage of Ares, the strength of Ragnar, the honor of Cassius. And now we're here at the love of Severo. That's today's episode. Um, you know, an episode I think that's kind of been staring me in the face for a while, like something that I think that was hard. To, again, I think like honor a little more nuanced than we first thought, a little hard to wrap our brains around, but right. we're here today and that's what we're going to be doing. And so um, do you have any thoughts up top before we kind of go to a break and, and come back or you just want to kind of get to it? No, I, I think we can just jump in. I mean, you kind of already mentioned that, you know, in some of our uh, cursory talks about this. It wasn't the easiest thing to kind of frame and, and arrive at, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, we'll kind of explain it as we go. Yeah, I think, we will, so. for sure. Yeah. Okay, so let's go and take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about love. Let's do it. If you're seeking legal counsel or in a situation that you're not sure how to handle, Turingian Law might just be the answer. They offer a free consultation to assess your situation because not every attorney is the right professional for the job. Now, the great thing about Turingian Law is that there's no doublespeak, no confusing language, no upfront commitment. It's just a conversation with someone who wants to understand what you're going through and help you get to the next step. Getting started is easy. Call 559-627-5399 or visit turigianlaw.com. That's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com. No matter the circumstance, we all deserve peace of mind. Stop sitting with the uncertainty and get the advice you need today. Once again, that's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com or call 559-627-5399. Tariqian Law. The advice you need, minus the BS. Jeremy, we're back from break talking about love inside the story of Red Rising and specifically how it pertains to the dream of EO. Before we get there, I want to take a step back and just talk about love as a whole, kind of in the Red Rising saga, like especially the first three books, because that's where we're living in. Um, that word, that theme, love, 
is not something that I have ever equated with Red Rising. Like quickly, you know, off the top of my head, like things I think of violence, war, severity. Um, you know, I think of things like honor, rage, things we've talked about too. Like those are big thematic pieces of the story, but love just doesn't, I know it's there, but it's not something that like comes to mind quickly. Is that the same experience you have when you read like the first trilogy? Yeah. I mean, for me, this is definitely, um, it's definitely a war story. And I mean, it takes place, you know, it's a sci-fi outer space war story. And, you know, I think rarely those things go together outside of the context of like, you know, Casablanca or right now I'm, I'm reading for whom the bell tolls, but that's really like this kind of ooey gooey romantic love story that just kind of happens to take place in the middle of a war. But, you know, the other way around, I, I don't think it would really work. And, and I don't think you really see those kind of themes. Yeah. I want to point something out that you just cited, uh, what Casablanca and for who the bell tolls. Yeah. Both things that took place, like a novel and a movie mm-hmm. that were released before 1945. So I'm sure every listener totally is tracking with you on that. So great job for those, <laughs> those very modern references. <laughs> They're classics, by the way. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking with you. Um, no, I think that instantly when you think of stories, like think of entertainment or what you, the word love conjures up this idea of romance, like instantly. Mm-hmm. And you know, you and I went, have, you know, talked about this, you know, before the podcast, there's like, there's no way that that Pierce Brown is alluding to romantic love as being essential to the dream of EO, even though that's where your brain wants to go when you hear that word inside of an entertainment, you know, like property, you want to go like to that love story, but that's, it's so much deeper and bigger. And so one of the things we want to do is we want to kind of go back and address love as it kind of uh, climbs through the story and like what we think it looks like according to the dream of EO. So let's go back. Let's go back to Red Rising. Let's go to chapter 36. This is one of the, our, my favorite moments in that book. We did a podcast on just this one singular moment yeah. inside that I believe that was either our ninth or 10th episode we ever did. Yeah, I don't remember. The first season. So it was, but it was really fun. Uh, to do because I was so amped to talk about that moment. Uh, to set the stage, Tactus commits a crime against a housemate. And, you know, I'm not going to go into specifics here because hopefully people know what we're talking about. Um, Darrow decides that that deserves punishment and rightfully so. So Tactus receives lashes, gets a whipping. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it's 20, 25 lashes somewhere in that ballpark. Sounds about right. Um, but then the surprise is that Darrow takes off his shirt and says, I'm going to receive the same punishment. And it makes that moment so rich. So let me read this like internal, like kind of piece of uh, monologue that Darrow has here. And he says, my army cries in protest. They don't understand. Golds don't do this. Golds don't sacrifice for one another. Leaders take, they do not give. So I want you... And I want the listeners to also do this. I, I want to try a thought exercise here. It won't take long. If you can, put yourself into the mindset of a peerless guard real quick. Like, holy crap. <laughs> like, you don't do this. I mean, this is something where, you know, if someone's in trouble or they're disgraced, they've been proven wrong or, or found guilty of something, it's like they're political poison. They're mm-hmm. toxic now. You start kind of doing that like, stepping, edging away from them kind of motion. And I mean, it's just, it's insane to think that he would partake in the punishment of somebody else, let alone 
that he would completely sacrifice and take absolutely everything yeah. upon himself. I mean, like I said, it doesn't take long because you just wouldn't do it as a peerless guard. It's just an absolutely crazy idea. And, but what's happening here, I, I said it already. I said sacrifice, right? Because you, you see these other themes. Obviously, you kind of already said romantic love. We're not really talking about that type, right? You also see fraternal love here. Mm -hmm. And that's evident. I think, I think that's really clear. I think it's worth pointing out and people are going to notice that. But I think you can go past that, right? To that sacrifice and understand that like, Darrow is taking on a fear from Tactus. Mm. Like Tactus is in this amazingly vulnerable moment where he's being embarrassed, right? And a gold would fear that. Yeah. Right? He's being reprimanded. His dignity is being stripped away. His honor, His you could say. Yeah. yeah. In their world, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, these things are in their world. And these are things that are like a gold's deepest, darkest fears. Mm -hmm. And it's like Darrow's now taking that on himself, and removing that off of Tactus. It's it's so rich, dude. Like this is the moment that I I, th I said this in that podcast we did a while ago. Like I did not appreciate Daryl, nor did I really care for him a whole lot. And this moment 180 for me. Like I was like, this is what I've been looking for in a protagonist. This something new, something different. And as I've kind of like grown in the story, like read it multiple times and kind of understood it more, what I now look at this moment and I kind of see is him echoing Eo and her actions. Like Eo took on, she sacrificed herself. She sacrificed herself for her whole community to show them the tyranny and the oppression. Like all she did was sing a song. That's mm -hmm. it. She, she went to a garden and then she sang a song and she was, she was killed for that. I think Darrow doesn't obviously take on that full punishment, but he's modeling that same behavior. Yeah. He's saying like that sacrifice is so worth it and so needed in this world because that's not you said you said it well golds don't do this and darrow said it well like this is not what golds do they don't sacrifice one another they take that's all they do that's all they're capable of doing and so like that love like it's it on face value you could see like well how is that love because but it's like a sacrificial love it's not fraternal it's not uh it's not like romantic it's not familial necessarily but it's definitely something that is beyond it's extending beyond that it's for this whole group of people to see so good there's another moment though that is different it's time for mustang to kind of go ahead and jump in here that she has a moment very similar to this this is uh we're going to go into uh chapter 24 of golden sun she says this uh when she's talking to darrow uh they're going back and forth and she's finally kind of explaining to darrow why she decided to go inside of uh, Octavia's court and, and work for her father's enemy, which is a huge deal. And it's been, it was puzzling even to us readers, like why was she doing that? And then also why is she dating Cassius? Like it seemed so distant from where we left off in book one, like her relationship with Darrow. And then all of a sudden she's, she pops in the book at chapter 11 in, in Golden Sun and she's with Cassius and you're, it's confusing. But she says this to him, it was for my family. It was for the people I love, even if they don't deserve it. Many have sacrificed more and I could sacrifice that. And it's, again, it's that same thing. It's like sacrifice. It's kind of deciding, I want to be like EO. I want to, I want, she doesn't know that, you know, at the time, but she wants to model that type of personality, that type of behavior. She wants to be 
like what Darrow did and like what Eo did. She wants to go after that. And she even says, she even ties the word love and sacrifice together. She's like, it was for the people I love. And so I could sacrifice that. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think we can like kind of set aside the, the word sacrifice and, and focus on family, right? Because this is a kind of like the other was had it, the kind of themes of fraternal love in it, right? This mm -hmm. one has definite themes of, of familial love. Um, and it's like, but again, that through line, because what we're doing here is we're saying, what is the, what is the commonality between all these kind of examples of love within the story that tie back to Severo and to the dream of Vio? So, because this one doesn't have fraternal love because it doesn't have romantic love and the other one lacked the familial love, like the only through line here is that word sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And like what she's doing here is a very similar thing, right? She's taking on the mantle of shame. Like her mm. brother has been shamed. He's lost his dignity. He's lost his honor in the society as, as you put. Uh, and, and he's in a very negative space. And like, she has every reason. And by the way, morally speaking, even in the rising's morality, like these people are garbage. Like they really are. They're not worth saving. They're not worth working for. And yet she takes that on and she puts herself in a terrible predicament, right? She goes yeah. into this family that doesn't treat her specifically well, uh, makes herself subservient to, to them and to Cassius. And she does it for somebody who doesn't deserve it at all. Dude, I can't imagine. And it's like, it's one of the very few times that you get an emotional Mustang. She's usually like, I, I think she's kind of a bedrock. She's like very, very strong and very, I think maybe stoic might not, she's not really stoic, but she can be, she's just like, in a way she's stronger than Daryl in a lot of senses. Like mm -hmm. Daryl is more emotional and more brooding where a Mustang is kind of more measured. And like, she just kind of has this way about her that is calming. And you get the very different type of personality in that moment where she's just divulging like how hard it was for her. And she did this, but she did it for the people that she loved. She sacrificed, like you mm -hmm. said. So like, I think that's like you said the word through line earlier. Like this is like these moments that you see love, even though on face value, like we talked up, talked up top, like you, when you think of love, it conjures up maybe different feelings. But when you look at love and you look at the, in the story and specifically when you go to Pierce Brown's writing in the epilogue of Morningstar and he says, and the love of Severo, like, well, what is that? Like, how do we identify it? And, and these are two examples of it. But thing is about Severo is that he goes up a level. He mm -hmm. goes up a notch here. So I've been so excited to talk about this with you. Like when I built this outline, it was the only thing I had on here was just this one, essentially a quote. And I was like, I didn't even know how to fill it around. I don't even know how, what else to do. I was just like, can we just talk about this quote the whole time? Like, but let's um, just remind people it's chapter 54 of Morningstar, kind of where we're at, where we're going, about to go. And uh, it's called The Goblin and the Gold is the name of which is a, such a fitting title for the chapter. So Severo is, um, you know, he comes in, Cassius is about to be hanged by Sefi. Severo comes in, that's my property. You don't have the right. I have the right. This person killed my father. And so it's my, this was my life to take. He does push Cassius off the platform with the cable around his neck and starts hanging. But then he flips it. He pulls a page out of Darrow's book, like what Darrow and Tactus, Darrow took on that burden with Tactus. Several models, the same behavior he says, you know, I am a murderer too. And then he takes the cord, 
and jumps and starts hanging himself. After this whole, just like, I mean, I didn't even know what was going to happen. As a first-time reader, I was like, is he going to die like several? Like at that time, I didn't really, you know, in that, in that stage of the book, you're not really too sure how you feel about Cassie's yeah. at that point. So you're not like really caring, but you, <laughs> you, but you care, especially several was like, is he just going to kill himself? It's, it's, it's stunning. It's startling. It's startling for the readers. It's startling for everyone in the scene. He gets up after this is over, after Sefi does cut that, uh, both their cables down, both Cassius and Severo, and says this. Darrow's wife. His wife and my father never met. But they shared a dream, one of a free world, not built on corpses, but on hope. On the love that binds us, not the hate that divides us. We have lost many, but we are not broken. We are not defeated. We fight on. But we do not fight for revenge for those who have died. We fight for each other. We fight for those who live. We fight for those who don't yet live. Cassius Albalona killed my father, but I forgive him. Why? Because he was protecting the world he knew. Because he was afraid. We are the new age, the new world. And if we're going to show the way, then we better damn well make it a better one. I am Severo Abaca, and I am no longer afraid. I think, in retrospect, one of the best scenes of the entire first trilogy, if Hands not down. the best. Hands down. So amazing. I don't want to focus personally so much on Cassius. I, I think you can here, but I believe that Cassius is really emblematic of the entire gold society. I mean, right now in this scene, you, you essentially have low colors. It's the apex of the revolt, right? Mm -hmm. So they're beginning to round up golds and try them for, for war crimes, sometimes not great trials, and yeah, then, and then execute them. Mm -hmm. Right. So what's really happening is they're taking that, the triangle, right? The, uh, the pyramid, and they're just flipping it upside down. And they're saying, you know what? You had your time in the sun and we were down there being oppressed. And now it's your turn, right? It's your turn to be diminished. It's your turn to be murdered, to mm -hmm. be worthless, to be all those things that we were for a while. And that's where you know, that's what Severo is actually talking about here. He's looking at that happening before him. And this is something that he endorsed for a time, right? Once yeah. he started identifying with his red self, this is something that he was about because he even calls himself in the book, a terrorist warlord. And he was doing evil acts and he acknowledges that here. And it's, it's the fear again, just like in those earlier examples that causes this kind of stuff to happen. But what he does that, again, why isn't it the love of Darrow or the love of Mustang, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're also sacrificing. But because this is emblematic of the entire society, right? Because he is answering this call to absolutely disrupt this and to murder people without fair trials. And, and there are good goals, right? We know that. And it's like, he hangs himself. He takes on all those fears, right? The fear that that he lists for Cassius, right? That's the fear of, of losing status, of losing wealth, of losing power, right? Those are the things that golds fear. 
and his fear. And he just sets it all aside. And he decides that he has forgiveness in his heart. Yeah. Wow. Well said. There was, there's another thing that um, is so interesting about this moment specifically. Um, you have like what we talked about in Red Rising, that Darrow kind of moment where he like takes on that burden with Tactus. It was kind of just for that group of people, like Darrow's army, which is probably like, you know, I'm just going to, I can't remember the number, but I'm going to guess 100, 150 kids, right? That, that it was like, it wasn't performative, but it was for that, that greater body of people. Mm-hmm. And then when Mustang is telling Darrow in chapter 24 of Golden Sun, that quote we talked about earlier, she's just divulging that to an audience of one. You know, there's just, just her and Darrow talking. It's not for a big audience. It's, it's, and I probably a lot of people at the time, even in the moment, didn't know that's why she was doing it. Probably no one knew, only she knew that. And then she's just finally telling someone. What's happening here with Severo is he's doing it for everyone. Every single person in the world, not like every single person on the ship, which are there, there are about a couple thousand in that ship at that time witnessing this act, but he is doing it for everyone because he says, we're the new world. We're the new age. If we're going to show, like, if we're going to be better, we got to show a better way. It's setting up a new template. It's not flipping the pyramid upside down. It's literally taking a hammer to the pyramid and saying like, no, we're going to build back better. Mm -hmm. We're going to build something new, something better. And like that, that's terrifying. Like building a new social order um, is big. And it's not, this character was never about that. He was like, he was, I want to flip it upside down. I am a terrorist warlord. I'm going to, when they went to Deimos uh, to, to rescue, to kidnap, excuse me, Quicksilver, he still wanted to blow the bombs. He tried to, and Daryl stopped him, said, stop being a terrorist. Yeah. And, and Severo rejected that. He still wanted to be a terrorist. It was like in his DNA to want that. But he's new here. He's something different. He's sacrificing. He's forgiving. He's challenging fear with hope instead. He's saying, I don't know what's on the other side of this, but we're going to build it better. Like, it's just, it's so big. It's so much. It's like, it's love in its truest form, according to the dream of EO. Like, again, it's like, we can talk about this a while. We can go in circles here, but it isn't romantic love. It's not familiar love. It's like, it's love for every single person, not for like, I think I want to go back to that. He's like, you know, we are not broken. We're not defeated. We fight on, we fight for the, like, we don't fight for revenge. We fight for each other, for those who live, for those who don't yet live, like unborn people. Like it's just bigger than like the moment that's happening on the ship. So good. So I don't know. I don't have anything to add to that. I, cause like we have, there's a lot of other things I could talk about, but I feel like I'd be talking in circles. No, I just admire several in this moment. I mean, you know, I, I'm not the biggest Severo fan. I know he's a fan favorite and, and I appreciate him for what he is. But at this moment, I, I don't know if anyone cannot appreciate what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at character arcs, right? Well, his is like off the rails here. Like he, he <laughs> like, no, he does though. He literally takes like a brand new trajectory. This is not within his character arc. Like he has been changed. Mm-hmm. Like at the, at the absolute I, roots Darrow of himself. internally says like he's been reborn or rebirthed. Like yeah. that's, he actually says that like as from that first person present tense perspective, he says he's seeing his friend reborn. Yeah. And he takes on, of course, right. The hope that his father had, the mm-hmm. hope that you had for that free world that they see. Yeah. I want to go outside of like the love talk here and just talk about the moment a little bit more, like from a writing standpoint. I know it's like kind of just getting the minutia of that, like. 
Daryl, like, is a character that's been created to give amazing speeches. <laughs> you know, like, time and time again, you and I did a Patreon podcast that was just for our, our Patreon members that was just about Daryl's best speeches. Mm-hmm. We ranked them. And we took like the five, what we thought were the five best and we ranked them. And that was like a fun thing. It was like, we did that so long ago, but it's easy to do that with that character. And here you you see several coming over the top completely and going, ha, all these awesome monologues and speeches you gave, Darrow, like I'm going to blow this out of the water. So really cool that Pierce like gave probably the best single speech moment to the character that is known for not giving any speeches really ever and it it like it's like he just flips it again it's just it's a good moment for that too no i agree it's absolutely beautiful it's i mean just poetic the way he writes for sure um i want to go ahead and start wrapping up here but before we do completely i want to uh ask you a question and that is to if you can um or i know you can but in the best you can describe what the love of Severo is kind of in a snapshot answer, a few sentences or so. Yeah. I, I think the love of Severo is, is obviously sacrifice, right? We've, mm-hmm. we've seen the continuity or the through line is the, is the word that I was using. And we realize that it, it's something that goes above and beyond all of that other stuff, the romantic, the familial, the fraternal love. Mm-hmm. It's taking on somebody else's fear, somebody else's shame, somebody else's guilt. It's assuming that and willing to take it to death with him, mm. you know? And it's like, if, if that level of sacrifice, and as you put, and, and I think, I, I just want to repeat this because it's so important. Like the, you said it's for not just the ship, it's for everyone, but, but it's not right. It's, it's, for the people not yet born. Like yeah. when, when you say everyone, it's not everyone in the in the solar system. It's everyone who will be in the solar system. Yeah. I mean, the power of that and the gesture he's making and being willing to throw himself off and hang for that. Um, if that's not love, I don't know what is. Yeah, truly. You know, the, I want to add to that too. Like the dream is the same way, right? The dream of EO. Like mm-hmm. she says, like, I want to live in a world where my children can be born free. They can be what they like and they can own the land their father gave them. But that's what she says. But the way she models it by sacrificing herself at the very beginning of the story, it's, it's not just that isolated. It's not that insular. It's not just for her potential two to three kids. Right. It's for everyone. It's mm-hmm. like trying to wake people up and say like, this is all like, I'm doing this for you. Like she's not able to say that, but she does. Like she says, break the chains, right? Like last words, break the chains. She mouths to Daryl, live for more right before she passed. Like, but her last words are break the chains. And I think that's what Severo is doing here. He's, he's saying that love, this type of love that I'm modeling, that EO modeled, that my father modeled, Daryl modeled, like maybe in smaller moments, but I'm doing it in the biggest way possible. Um, this is for everyone. It's not just singular, like it's not singular. It's not just for an isolated group. It's not just for howlers or rising people. It's for every every single person. And I like the way you put it, for people that aren't even born yet. Everyone that's going to be in the solar system. Um, I thought about this a lot, obviously, like this question, like can I summarize the, what the love of Severo is? And I'm going to borrow a page out of your book and do an analogy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and, and I honestly, like... I didn't mean for it to be this kind of goofy and I didn't mean to like put it in an al- like this analogy kind of terminology because that's not usually how I think. But uh, I want, like I want to do a thought experiment like you did earlier. Okay, 
you're at your kitchen, everyone listening to, you're in your kitchen and you decide I'm gonna make the best freaking bowl of pasta I've ever made. So like, what do you do? Like you, you put the water uh, on you know the stovetop and then you start boiling it, you throw the pasta in and then, then it's ready, it's done. You know, it's 10, 15 minutes later, you're ready to eat it. But you obviously have to rid the water. So the, the device you use would be a colander, you know, like the bowl with all the holes in it that allows the water to drain easily. And then you're left with just like the awesome bowl of pasta you've been craving. So I take that imagery and I think of like love of Severo is exactly that. Like his, his love is that pasta, <laughs> um, as goofy as that sounds, but like, it's true. Like, so he takes, you know, like he takes the pasta, he puts it in the colander, the love, he takes his love rather, he puts it in a colander and the water drains out. That water being fear, that water being despair, that water being hate, revenge, all these things. And it distills down and just get, it gets rid of all that, that, the stuff that you can't, you can't eat your food with, with all the water in the way, but he's getting rid of all that. He's flushing it all out. And that's what the love of Severo is to me. It's just, it's ridding all the other stuff, all the, the excess and all the bad out so that way you can really enjoy what's like right there. Yeah, I love this. And not just because I love analogies, but we talk a lot, you know, about rage, about strength, about honor. We talk about what they are according to the dream of you, but we also talk about what they aren't. Mm -hmm. And what I like the most about your analogy is this idea that love is in a particular place down down the line from those because it serves as the filter or the colander, as you said. Mm -hmm. And we're able to separate yeah. what inside of those, as far as their multiple definitions, right? What fits and what doesn't inside the dream of you. Mm -hmm. and, and that's that's why I enjoyed that. That was very apt. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this conversation about the love of Severo. One of my favorite conversations we've had, honestly, like every episode, I feel like I've just liked the conversations more and more. Next week, we're talking about the loyalty of Victra. We've made our way. There's five main qualities we're talking about. And next week is Victra, a character we haven't talked about much. And I know that you and I are both like chomping at the bit to get going because we've only mentioned her like really a couple times. Yeah. No, we want to talk about Victra. Obviously, you out there, you're all big Victra fans yeah. and can't wait to get to it. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I know everything has been exciting. I know we say that all the time. <laughs> But everything has been genuinely exciting. It's yeah. it's not phony. It's not podcast disingenuousness. Like when we're like, oh, we're so excited. It's like, no, we're freaking excited. This is so much fun. Yeah. So uh, until next week, Hail Reaper. Hail Reaper. Hail Reaper is produced by Philip, known as Oracle, Jeremy, known as Checkmate, and Matha, known as Broadcast. It's been to you across the airwaves, all the way from Deep Grave Studios. Our intro theme was composed by Mathar. The track you're hearing now is Grey by Sahab. Our broadcast visuals were created by the amazing Leslie Ray. Thanks to Pierce Brown for creating this universe, and thanks to all the contributors who make this show possible. Dream of EO never would have happened without the support of some gory damn fine howlers. They're all part of our incredible Patreon community, where we issue monthly bonus content, exclusive artwork, and hang about with the rest of the pack over on Discord. Visit patreon.com slash hellreaper to learn more. If you enjoy what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for updates, giveaways, and more. The Dream of EO is a seven-part limited series, but if that's not enough, we host a companion show called Beyond the Veil, which will air live on our YouTube channel every other Monday during its initial run. 
It's a peek behind the curtain at what goes into making the show and what it takes to build a community online. You can send your burning questions about the series to hailreaperpod at gmail.com with the subject line Beyond the Veil. This is Broadcast signing off. Until next time, hail the gory damn reaper.